Well, hi folks, and uh, good to be back. And a big thank you to all those who've contributed something of their story in today's time together. Well, uh, if you've been regular with us here online, you'll know that we've been following uh, the well-being journey. Um, it's a great course; just seems very apt for our time. Certainly, I've enjoyed uh, doing that with a group, and also uh, just reading through the well-being uh, journal. But we're going to take a break from that today, and uh, I want to look at some of perhaps God's bigger purposes in history. Although I think we're going to see again that well-being is actually right at the centre of that, of God's heart for us. And we're going to look today then at a phenomenal God, a God of phenomena. I like that word, by the way. And I'm going to take that from Acts chapter 2. And what's happened there, if you don't know the story, uh, it's the day of what they call Pentecost. It was a Jewish festival and the disciples, Jesus, had, uh, had gone to be with the Father. And they, he, they were told to wait. We're going to read in a minute. And uh, they were waiting and then the wind of God came and the fire of God fell upon them. And they started to speak in languages and there was a real commotion. And we're going to read now Peter's explanation of what was going on as this phenomena hit. So this is Acts chapter 2. Verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they, that is the gathered crowd of Jews, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. They were obviously making a bit of a racket. God had come and somehow they were stirred up. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, an Old Testament prophet. And Joel said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And as Mark Mansell pointed out a few weeks back, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Talking about Jesus return and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, may God bless his mighty, powerful word to us today. So let's look first then at the phenomenon. Well, phenomenon 
is a Greek word, a lot of words are, and uh, it means something that appears or comes to light. A dictionary definition says it's about extraordinary occurrences. And here in the book of Acts, as the wind and fire and the tongue comes, the languages, there is utter confusion. You know, that can so often be the case when God is moving. Nonetheless, there is still confusion. It looks like total chaos and disorder. What on earth is going on? And the people, it says in verse six, were bewildered. It's a word meaning to be displaced where your foundations don't feel as firm as they once did. The people are amazed and they are utterly perplexed. No one has got a handle here really on what is going on and what God is doing. But I want to say this. The thing may not be the thing. What do I mean by that? That the obvious phenomena may not be the phenomena we are to understand. That that which we first see, that which is most obvious, most apparent, that's going on around us, may not be the deep thing we're really to try and get a handle on. You see, the wind... The fire, the speaking in languages was not the thing that God was doing here. Well, what was that then? Well, God's spirit had come, was being poured out on men, women and young people. And the kingdom was about to let rip. The kingdom was coming and breaking out. Hadn't we seen this in Acts chapter 1 verse 8? If you like, one of the key verses to the book of Acts, it says this. Jesus, just about before he's about to return, says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And these followers of Christ are about to see the gospel fire go wide around the ancient world. They are called to be his witnesses. The word is martyrs. Many of them became that. They were so full of the spirit, so committed to Jesus that they didn't care what happened. They were prepared to follow him anywhere, even unto death. Churches were planted, kingdom communities of committed followers. They became known as Christians, little Christs. It was a mocking word. Men and women were healed physically, emotionally, spiritually and came into relationship with each other. Jew and Gentile were united. You'd have never got a Jew and a Gentile in the same room, let alone in the same fellowship. And they came into relationship with their father. No wonder in the book of Acts it was said of the Christians, these men and women have turned the world upside down. That's exactly what history tells us they did. It reminds me of the Old Testament and there's a story about David fighting the Philistines and he meets them in battle. 1 Chronicles 14 11 tells us this. 
And it says, so David and his men went up to meet the Philistines at Baal Perazim and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies by my hand. So that place was called Baal Perazim. That phrase, Baal Perazim, it means Lord or Master of Breakthrough. I think it's a great title. Master of Breakthrough is God. Uh, Eugene Peterson in the message version calls him Baal Explosion. He's the God who comes and breaks out in power. And this is what was happening here on Pentecost. Some of you will have seen the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe movie, read the books. And I love that piece where the children are in the beaver's house and they, they're hushed around the table. And Mr. Beaver says, Aslan is on the move. Aslan, the great one, the great lion. It's a picture of God. It's a picture of the Lion of Judah. Jesus is on the move. And the children in that book are stirred. It says their hearts are strengthened. Are we heartened, encouraged to believe that the God of phenomena, the God of the phenomenon, a phenomenal God may just be on the move in our times? It's certainly not same old, same old, is it? And does something of the act situation sound familiar to us? We do live, don't we, friends, in phenomenal, extraordinary times. We see it everywhere. Events cancelled, perplexion. There is much confusion, isn't there? People are just not sure. Our leaders are just not sure. What is the best course of action? What are the timescales we're working to? When will we get things under control? How do we look after education? How do we look after people's health? What about the economy? So much confusion. And I want to say this. In the midst of all of this, the thing may not be the thing. The seemingly most apparent, most important thing may not be the thing we really need to understand. The presenting phenomena may not be the deepest thing we wrestle with. You see, we have faced untold tragedy and misery. And let's be honest, we are not through the woods yet. I am sure there is much heartbreak, pain, possibly waves of mental health issues as we emerge from the place we've been. There is still much heartbreak and difficulty and struggle to come. But we must ask the same question that they asked on the day of Pentecost. In verse 12, we saw it. The, the people gathered there as they saw this commotion, as they saw the phenomena of the, the fire and the noise and the languages. They said, what does this mean? What on earth is going on here? Is there anyone can give us insight as to the profound mysteries that are occurring? 
And I think we need to keep asking, to still ask, Lord, God of the heavens, God of the earth, Lord of all history, have you been trying to get our attention? What eternal good purposes, Lord, because you are only good, you can only do good. What eternal good purposes can we trace through the misery and heartbreak that breaks your heart far more than it does us? What good purposes can we trace through our world? Lord, have you been speaking in this time about yourself? Have you been revealing to us something of the human condition? When we thought we were the bee's knees, we had it sus, we had it under control and we've been humbled. And we see that's not the case at all, that we are not God. You are Lord in heaven. So I'll let my words be few, says the scripture writer. Have you been speaking to us about relationships, about how we do church, about how we do family, about whether or not and how we care for the poor and the impact this has had on them and things like the environment as well? I've quoted C.S. Lewis previously in one of the messages in this season. He said this, pain insists on being attended to and there has been a lot of pain and misery, hasn't there? God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And have we in our materialistic, individualistic, hardened Western society become oblivious to who God is and oblivious to the voice of God? And I understand we're dealing here with the mystery that is the sovereignty of God over suffering. We do believe that somehow God's eternal purposes will be worked out in the earth. Well, how do you reconcile that with him allowing suffering? Why? Is a question many of us are asking at this time. And ultimately, this isn't the place to deal with this. But we have to say this is a mystery. But in it all, we are called to trust in a good God, that he is good and to seek him. Mike Bickle says this. I wonder if you agree with this. I think it may be true. He says God uses the least severe means to reach the greatest number of people at the deepest level of love and perhaps significance without violating anyone's free will. Has God been trying to meet, reach the whole of humanity? Many, many, many men, women and young people at this time. Is that something of what he's been about as he's shifted the foundations we stand on, as he's allowed that to happen, as a shaking has gone on, as we have become perplexed and astonished? Has he allowed the coronavirus as the least severe way to get humanity's 
attention. His actions are only ever loving. You see, eternal destinies are at stake here. And is that the thing? That men and women would come into relationship with him at this time. Cry out to him. Whatever the case, let's not emerge from this season blasé. Shrug our shoulders as we get back to normality. Move as humanity in any sort of smugness that somehow we've dealt with this and miss what God has done. We had a prophetic word in the church somebody gave us recently that as we travel through this season, there are exits for us as on a motorway. But as we get back to normality, perhaps it will be harder to see the exits into the new things God wants for us and wanted for us. It will be harder to see them and take them. Some of us perhaps have been challenged. We've even started to indicate to take the the route into God's new thing. Maybe you felt God speaking to you and challenging you, but, but perhaps you didn't have the courage to step into the new thing God had for you. Friends, let's not settle. If God's been speaking, if God's tried to get our attention to revert to the same old, same old. And so to move through, and I'm going to try and move this through more briefly. Peter there in the book of Acts, he says, Joel, quoting Joel, he says, there's going to be earth shattering events, signs and wonders in the sky and on the earth. But in the midst of it all, there is a promise. And it's verse 21 of Acts 2, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word save there, it's a word sozo. It means to be safe from danger. It means to be delivered, but it also means to be made whole. It's evocative of that word from the Old Testament we've been looking at on the well-being journey, shalom, complete wholeness, where just the whole of life comes together in a good place. By the way, that's what it means to become a Christian. If you're interested, if you're not sure what that is, it's not about religion. It's not about attending church or giving or joining a new social circle, but rather it's about coming into relationship with the Father, being healed of our brokenness, Our character being changed as the Holy Spirit goes to work on us and everything coming into harmony and enjoying life in abundance. Well, if we're going to call on the name of the Lord, we need to understand thirdly about a person. Who is this person? Well, Acts chapter 2 verses 22 onwards tell us. And so Peter stands up and says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. 
And then verse 33 tells us, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. So there is a person at the heart of God's purposes. There's a person at the heart of Christianity and at the heart of our well-being. We can enjoy a certain amount of well-being outside of relationship with this person. But when we have relationship with Jesus, he brings everything into harmony. And what we have in these verses are the key events of his life narrated. And maybe you've never fully understood what it is that Jesus has done for us. Well, let me briefly tell you that. In verse 22, it tells us that Jesus was accredited by God. He wasn't just a good teacher. He was God come to earth and God the Father was pleased with the life of God the Son, God in human form. But in verse 23, it tells us he was put to death, nailed to a cross. It was an event in history. And on that cross, he took our brokenness and our shame and our falling short of the standard. And he took our punishment for what the Bible calls our sin, our offences against God upon himself. He took the rap for us. But death couldn't hold him. He'd lived a good, perfect life. And in verse 24, it tells us he was raised from the dead. And verse 33, he was exalted. And in that place, at the right hand of the Father, he poured out the Holy Spirit upon his people. And this was the Pentecost phenomena. So do you have a relationship with Jesus? Well, how can you do that? How do I call on the name of the Lord? Maybe you're with the Jews who in verse 37, it tells us, well, what shall we do in the light of hearing this about Jesus? We've seen this. We've come to understand this was the case. What do we do then? Well, there's a pattern explained in verses 37 to 41 of Acts chapter 2. Verse 38, sorry, says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all who call whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation and those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So there's a repeated pattern here that I think is, is repeated throughout the New Testament, actually, of what we might call a healthy Christian birth. This is about initiation into the Christian life. And just like a healthy physical birth, like this little baby here, has certain elements to it, so too the healthy Christian birth should have certain elements. What are they? Well, firstly, these verses talk about us having to repent. 
It's a word meaning to turn around. And like a baby leaves the womb behind, the safety, security. So when we become a Christian, we're to leave our old life, our old world behind. Well, where, which way are we to go then? We're to secondly believe. We're to have faith in those events that I've just described in the life of Jesus, that what the Bible says about him was true. He did come and die for us, but rose again. And faith in his death and resurrection means our sins can be forgiven. We can emerge just like a baby into a new world of relationship with God. The verses also tell us we're to be baptised. A baby is washed soon after they're born. And so God has instituted uh, baptism. The word just means immersion. It's how we do it at our church, fully immersing adults and young people into water. It's a picture of the cleansing that has already happened spiritually as they have been forgiven for their sin. Baptism doesn't make us a Christian. It's our declaration to the world. This has already happened to me. Very briefly, let me ask you, have you been baptised? Are you a Christian? Have you been baptised? It's a wonderful occasion. Why don't you get in touch if you haven't been? And we'll sort something out just as soon as we can. Fourthly, they were to receive. Peter says, you'll be forgiven your sin and you'll receive the spirit. A baby, after they've been born, need to breathe quickly. Air needs to get into their lungs. And so a new Christian needs to breathe deeply, be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And God promises to pour out his spirit upon us. And then finally, a child is given to a family. They belong. 3,000, it says, were added to their number that day. We need a spiritual family, spiritual parents, spiritual brothers and sisters around us in order to grow just like we grow in our natural families. And so in conclusion, Peter was invested in what we call the gospel, the truth about Jesus Christ. In verse 40, it says, he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. This generation, the word means that's bent out of shape. And we need to flee everything in the world, save ourselves, come into wholeness, leave behind everything from our old life that is bent out of shape. And I want to pray two prayers to finish. Firstly, I want to pray a prayer of repentance and belief for those of us who perhaps have never come into relationship with Jesus. You can do that now. And secondly, I want to pray for those of us who want to receive more of the spirit. Maybe you have become weary physically, emotionally and spiritually. Well, God will refresh you. He promises that seasons of refreshing by his spirit. He can empower us and maybe we'll see breakthrough in the year ahead. So let's pray first. For those who 
aren't sure they've ever come to faith in Christ. I want to pray a prayer that's in our well-being journal as we've been going on this well-being journey that in the book there that at the end there's a prayer you can pray. And it's going to come up on the screen now. Maybe you just want to take a look at that and ask yourself, do I know Jesus? Have I experienced his power in my life to make my life whole, to give me purpose, a sense of direction? Well, if you want him to do that, you pray this prayer now. Pray it out loud. I encourage you to do that. If you're with someone, they won't mind at all. So let's pray this. Lord Jesus, I admit my need of you and invite you to come and forgive me. I believe that you died and rose again so that I could receive new joy, purpose, hope and well-being. Please come into my life now and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I commit my life to you and your ways all the days of my life. Amen. Well, I want to say if you prayed that prayer, perhaps for the first time, we'd love you to get in touch. Uh, I don't know whether the guys can put my email up or the office email. Uh, we'd love you to just let us know that you prayed that. We'd, we'd like to just encourage you in that, perhaps send you some materials to help you in these early days of your journey walking with Jesus. But then let's come secondly. Those of us that just want to receive more of the Spirit. One of my favourite verses about the Spirit is Luke 11 verse 13, where Jesus says, how much more? Will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask? So we're just going to ask God to send us more of his spirit. And I want to encourage you. Why don't you stand to do this? As far as I know, I don't think we've done this on a Sunday and encourage folks to do this. But I just thought it might help some people. And it certainly says to God, we're taking him seriously. We often do this on a Sunday. We perhaps call people forward. Well, this is a way of doing that. But it's a way of being proactive. So if you want more of God in your life, more of his power, more of his filling, perhaps his power for breakthrough in the year ahead, why don't you stand now? Again, those in the room with you, they won't mind. Why don't you do this and let me pray for you? Father, you said, Lord Jesus, you said to your disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you as you wait. Well, God, we are waiting in your presence now. And so we say, send your spirit.
more of you, Lord. Lord, I pray. Refresh us, Lord. Father, I pray, break off heaviness. Fill us with your spirit. That we may walk for you. Full of hope. Full of joy. Full of life. in these needy days ahead. Seal your work in us, we pray. We claim your empowering presence in the name of Jesus. Again, I just want to say to you, why don't you take this further? Certainly, if you've felt God saying anything, doing anything, feel free to get in touch. But maybe at the end of this service, we have a prayer ministry team. They would love to pray for you. Why don't you spend time there just receiving more of the spirit? We're like chamois leathers that are used to clean cars. Sometimes if you don't use them, They go hard and we need to saturate and soak and keep soaking to become soft and supple in the maker's hands. So why don't you take time to just allow the spirit to soak and saturate you, maybe receive prayer ministry. It's been great to be with you folks. We've got time now in worship to just make space for God's spirit to minister to us again. Bless you.